text of emphasis this morning is found in uh, Peter's second letter and uh, chapter 3. It says this, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where's this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But don't forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not any, wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed, destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you be? Well, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt it with heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. And so therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure posi position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forevermore. Amen. Let's pray again. Oh God, again, we acknowledge your presence here with us and we invite you into our inner being so that we can learn from you. And so uh, guide our thoughts, my words, as we share in your word, in Jesus' name, amen. First of all, I uh, want to just say a happy Father's Day Eve uh, to all of our dads here. And, and all of our, all of our uh, spiritual dads as well. We're glad that you're here. We're glad that we can share together. Um, you know, my kids gave me a T-shirt for my birthday that I've been looking forward to wearing on Father's Day, and I got a little excited, put it on early. So I, I thought it would be appropriate for today because not only is it Father's Day Eve, but we are in the midst, in the midst of our spring sermon series, Spoiler Alerts. And is there any greater spoiler in all of 
film history than I am your father. It's the best, it's the best. Some of you read this shirt and were confused and I can only think that you, you, you need to maybe go and pick up a 30-year-old copy of The Empire Strikes Back. So I give that to you as homework on this Father's Day uh, weekend. I also want to let you know that, as I mentioned, we're in the midst of a, our sermon series. You can uh, go online, adventhope.org, or watch.adventhope.org, and catch up with the series. There you can watch. If you go to our app, you can watch or listen. You can actually listen on the website as well. And then this afternoon at 2.30 right here, uh, our class Going Deeper, where uh, Kyle will lead uh, us in a dis discussion and dialogue on the theme today, on the text today. And so uh, we hope that you'll, you'll take part in that uh, Going Deeper today to jump into this subject uh, even more. Well, it's uh, quite a text that we have uh, for us today as we uh, wind down this, this summer sermon series and look forward to next week's uh, communion service uh, together. And uh, I would actually suggest to you that this text is chock full of spoilers. And so I'd like to share with you um, six of them uh, today. Six, and you know, the spoilers, that, the, the, the alert that we give when there's going to be a twist in the story that's revealed. And so I'm going I'm to tell you right now that there are some, there's some spoilers ahead. So if you don't want to know what's going on, you can leave now. That's fine. All right? But if you stay, there's going to be some spoilers to the story. So we've been specifically looking at texts that talk about the last days or the end of time. Several weeks ago, we said, you know, the last days, Bible students have gone back and looked at that term and really discern that last days is, is talking for the most part about all of the Christian age, that time period since Jesus uh, uh, rose again and ascended to heaven to this point that in one respect that describes the last days and then the Bible gets more specific, specific in using the, the phrase the end of time to talk about the very end before the, the day of the Lord. And so we've been looking at texts relating to the last days and the end of time and second peter is just one of those that again is chock full of all kind of spoilers so i would like to share with you six of the the spoilers or the the terms in uh, articulated in second peter and so the first one is found in uh, chapter three and verse eight and it says this there don't forget this one thing, dear friends. So this is Peter writing to the, the church. Don't forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Now, 102 years ago, famed theoretical physicist Albert Einstein published uh, what was would become uh, to be known as the theory of general relativity, uh, which helped to explain the concept of space-time. It was, it was a revolutionary explanation of what was going on in the, in the cosmos, and it, 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 it took him to a new level of uh, fame. And 
Space-time taught physicists uh, a lot of things, a lot of uh, elements of, of uh, cosmological science or, or physical science. Um, but there, there are two that are relate to our subject today. And the first is this, that there is the concept of gravity, gravitational time uh, dilation. Now, are there any physicists here today? Because I am going to really mess this up, and I just want to know that if you know that I'm, I'm messing this up. Any physicists here today, or specifically astrophysicists or theoretical physicists? Thank God. We usually we welcome them into the Avon Hope community. Not today, because I'm going to massacre this. But here, I'm going to give you so gravitational time dilation, and the other one of the other aspects of the theory of relativity regarding time that was revealed is the relative velocity time dilation. Now, in a nutshell. The, these two ideas are this, that when there's, when there's more mass and therefore more gravity, that, that time moves in a different sphere. So in fact, if you're, a, uh, if you're a, a human and you are near something that has more mass and thus more gravity, you will age more slowly. Amen. Amen to that. Here's the problem. We're all on the same earth, so you, you can, we're all aging the same. <clears throat> now, they've determined this. This is true. This is unbelievable. That if you, if you live on the surface of the planet at, at, at uh, sea level, that you will age more slowly than someone who is a mountain climber and climbs to the top of a mountain. So if you're, just, I mean, just millimeters more slowly, but if you're up, so my friend Lauren Doss, who is in my, my community group, and by the way, our community group just happens to be studying, to reading the book, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson's uh, new book, Astrophysicist, Astrophysics for People in a Hurry, and we're having fun. And Lauren is our host for that group, and she's leading us through that. She also happens to be a mountain climber. Now, Lauren is aging very well, but I just want to, if she's here today, I just want to warn you, Lauren, don't spend too much time up there on the top of the mountains because you're going to age slightly uh, faster. So, you guys with me here? Okay, so that's the gravitational time uh, dilation. Now, there's this other thing. So, if you're on a mountaintop, you're going to age slightly faster than if you're, now, so some people, if you want to live in a basement, if any of you have a first floor apartment, you're good to go. You got at least microseconds longer in your life. Now, the astro astronauts in the International Space Station, now they're further away from the Earth's gravity, right? So you would think that they age more quickly because they're further away from the gravity mass. But this is where uh, relative velocity time dilation comes in, and that, that, that says that the velocity at which you're traveling also ex uh, affects uh, time. And so if you're traveling at extreme velocity, that also changes the, the way that time is, is measured. And so astronauts actually also are, are aging at a slower rate. So if you want to really do it, because they're going faster, even though they're outside of the Earth's gravity, they're going so fast that they age slightly slower. And they've, they've done studies, you, you remember, remember the, uh, the twins, one who remained, one who went to the, uh, the International Space Station, and indeed, this is the case. And so, this is somewhat interesting. 
what does this have to do with <laughs> maybe, maybe some of you are asleep. Um, the, the moment I, I, I didn't even say Einstein, I just said, ah, and you saw the picture and you just immediately went out. Now, by the way, the film, the magnificent film, in my opinion, by uh, Christopher Nolan, Interstellar, really gets into this. If you want to you enjoy that a little bit more, this idea of mass and gravity and the effect that it has on, on uh, time and so on. Now, where are we going with this? So apparently, apparently, Peter, the Apostle Peter, Peter understood the theory of relativity 1,900 years before Einstein articulated his uh, theory because, as we read in verse 8, Peter says, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. And so the twist of the story here is that this, God is not slow. This is twist number one. Spoiler number, God is not slow. He is existing in a different space-time uh, experience than us. A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are, are like a, a day. It, it makes sense. It makes sense. And so, uh, spoiler number one is God is not slow. God exists in another plane beyond what we currently understand. And space-time is just helping us to understand a little bit about how that works. You guys okay? I feel like that was a little, that was a little long. Let's, let's speed this up. All right, so we've got six of these things. Let's hope they're not all that long. All right, so the second, the second twist of the story uh, comes a little bit later, and we find it in verse uh, 9. In verse 9, Peter says this. Re reiterating here a little bit. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Twist of the story number two is that it's not the bad state of the world that determines when Jesus will come. It's not the bad state of the world that determines when Jesus will come. Adventists, if you're Adventists, or if you're familiar with Adventists, Adventists love to read the newspaper or to look at the, and then moan and groan about the state of the world and how terrible it is and how this must mean that Jesus is coming soon. Now there is, there is we love that. We just love that as a, as a people. We love that. We have a professor here, Dr. Zwerk, who is an avenous theologian. Don't we love that a little bit? We love complaining about or, 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 or moaning about the state of the world and how it means that Jesus is going to come soon. Good to have you guys here, by the way. And Dad was on the base today, rocking it out. Happy Father's Day. So we, we like to talk about this. So we read the newspaper and we say the world is falling apart. And look, it's true. And there's good reason. Jesus, even in Matthew chapter 24, talks about the state of the world before his coming and in the last days and so on. So there's good reason for this. But Second Peter, we understand, look, Jesus is not like, oh, oh, no. The world is so terrible. I've got to come. That's not how it works. Here, newsflash, another spoiler. The world has been terrible for a very long time. You know what I'm talking about? The world has been a mess for centuries, centuries, for millennium. People have been killing e each other 
I mean, plague, Kyle talked about last week, the black plague. I mean, you talk about the world is coming to an end, you know, the black plague. I mean, terrible, horrific things have happened in the history of the world. And listen, the world is messed up now. I mean, we all had breakfast this morning. We came into, you know, what, 40% of the world's children do not have enough food to eat. Um, I mean, there are people who are living in just abject poverty. There are, there are people who are in war-torn parts of this uh, country. Some of you know better than, than others all about this. So the world is a messed up place, but the world has been a messed up place for a long time. So I think it's kind of good news that Jesus isn't just waiting for the wor world to be messed up because, I mean, hasn't he been paying attention? I mean, where was he during the plague? If it's just the world is a messed up place, then you would have thought that he would have come a lot long, longer ago. But Peter makes it clear, hey, hey, he's not slow. He knows what's going on. He knows what state the world is in. He's not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. No, he's not waiting until the world falls apart and gets so terrible. Instead, he's patient, not wanting anyone to perish not wanting anyone to perish. And so the implication is that he is waiting until everybody who can make a decision to embrace his work will do so. And, and at, that, at that point, whenever he makes that decision that that is over, then is when the end comes. But it's not based on who is at war with who. You guys with me here? It's not the bad state of the world that determines when Jesus will come. It's whether people are still able to come to repentance or not. And the picture that we get here is of a father or a parent who is waiting, waiting as long as absolutely possible and as long as necessary until his, his, his children make a decision. He wants them all to make a decision. And so I think about the experience that all parents go through uh, of waiting, of waiting for their children. So, and I, I credit the, the comedian Michael McIntyre for this a little bit. You look up, he's got a little routine on trying to leave as an adult having children. And so I'll, I'm gonna, you, you can Google it later, but I credit to him, to him this initial thought, but he's so right, and that is, you know, as, as a parent, Leaving is, is challenging. Now, some of you, I see some of you singles, you're looking at me. I see even some of you, you parent, you're, you're, you're married people without children. God bless you. Um, but there's a funny thing that happens when you have children, and that is the very act of leaving, going somewhere, becomes a challenge. Parents, do you know what I'm talking about? Like in the old days, and I was thinking of the Kyle, my friend Kyle, we work together. Kyle, when he wants to leave, like, the, like he's sitting on his sofa and he's watching a film, let's say, he's watching Interstellar, and he thinks to himself, I would really like some Lay's potato chips. Today's message is sponsored by Lay's potato chips. <laughs> He thinks to himself, I really want some Lay's potato chips, and there is a, a CVS, also sponsoring today's message, around the corner from him. Do you know what Kyle does? Parents, this is what Kyle does. He gets up and he goes to get them. And you know how long it takes him to, to, to leave? Microseconds. It's so short. Do you know what happens when, when Sarah and I want to leave somewhere? 
when we go somewhere, let's say that together we're going to go get potato chips. You know how many shoes we have to find? You know how many pairs of pants we have to make sure are on, including the underwear? Because you, you want to make sure that both get on in the proper order, and it doesn't always happen. So being a parent often involves a lot of waiting. Okay? So, and there are times, this happens to us all the time, that we go to leave, and we actually have done the great thing of actually opening the door and, and going outside of the door. And then, invariably, somebody will have forgotten some point, something. And then they have to go back and get it. Like the socks are not on, or different socks are on. And we decide that's not the look that we're, we want to be presented as, as, children, as parents. We want our parent children to have both matching socks. And so go back, and so then there's waiting. Now, my wife is laughing because half the time, she's also waiting on me, if I'm honest because I'm the one forgetting that I don't have socks on. <laughs> anyway, the point is, parents wait. They wait. It's what a good parent does. And sometimes you have to be very patient in your waiting. And you're like, what in the world is taking so long to find socks? And you wait, and you wait, and you wait until you know there's just no other possibilities, something has happened. And then maybe you can't wait and one has to go back and it's just a mess, but you wait. And so this is the picture. With God waiting patiently because he doesn't want anyone to be lost. A, a good parent who is waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting doesn't want to, and, until there's, there's just no reason to wait anymore. And, and only God knows when that is. And so our, our first twist is that God isn't slow. And our second twist is that God, Jesus is not waiting on the world to just fall apart. He's, he's waiting because he doesn't want anybody to be lost, and he's going to give it every last ounce of his being to wait for, uh, to, for people until there's no more need to wait anymore. All right, twist number, twist number three. Apparently, and this, this is not just here in Peter, but throughout the New Testament, Jesus coming back will be a surprise in some form or fashion to everyone. To everyone. Um, it doesn't mean that people won't be prepared or generally the idea is there that Jesus is coming back. But look what Peter says in verse 10. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire in the earth. And everything done in it will be laid Bear, a thief. Now, this is not the only place Jesus himself used this idea of a thief. And you say, oh, well, that's for most people. Yes, but there's, there's a number of stories, including that story we talked about a couple of weeks ago, where Jesus is like, look, there's a wedding, and there's 10 young girls, and they're in the wedding party, and uh, they're waiting and waiting and waiting for the groom. And Jesus said that every single one of them, all 10 of them, what do they do, if you remember? They fall asleep. Every single one of them falls asleep. There's no, none of them are so vigilant that they stay awake. They all fall asleep. And so when the groom comes, it's a surprise at some of them. Now, they all were anticipating and waiting, but when he actually comes, it was a surprise to every one of them. And so the twist here is that, again, how can this be possible, especially for a community that has been so talking about Jesus coming? I mean, the idea that Jesus is coming is so rooted in Adventist culture that we just 
find an anathema to think that there's some way we could be surprised. I mean, for heaven's sake, our German forefathers built this church with the name Advent Hope. So with the idea that Jesus is coming back again, that should be at the forefront of our mind. But Peter tells us it's still going to be a surprise somehow. So that's a, that's a twist. All right, twist number Number four. So, spoiler: If you don't, if there's been too many spoilers so far, you can leave right now. Nobody's going to judge you. I take the Kyle's going to judge you a little bit. Nobody is going to. I'm not going to judge you. Twist number four. This is this is this is this is a little it's a little twisty for me. It's actually in in Second uh, Peter three verse eleven. He says this: Since everything will be destroyed. In this way, what kind of people ought you be? That's a great question, by the way. That's for another day, but that's a great question. What kind of people ought you be under the, in the context of all that we're talking about in the day of the Lord and the end of, end of all and everything? What kind of people ought you be? And then he goes on to explain, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. What? I look forward to look forward to the day of God, but speed its coming. The implication here is that at somehow humans can have an impact and influence the timing of God's return. Now that's twisty. That's twisty. Um, and we could probably spend a lot of time talking about what the implications of that are, but. So maybe we just need to let that simmer a little bit. But I guess in one sense, it kind of makes sense. I mean, look, I'm waiting for Levi and Jude and Susanna to get ready, or more likely Sarah's waiting for them and me um, to, to get ready. If they, if they come and they're ready, then we can all go. So, so, so I mean, I guess they're in one sense, you know, the, the behavior and the impact of humanity you know, if, if everyone is ready, that that theoretically could speed uh, the, the coming. Or conversely, if, 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 if the ability for people to make that decision is hindered, then that could affect God's uh, timing. So we'll leave that because that's a lot, a lot more to discuss there. But this is, this is a twist. Human behavior can apparently influence the timing of God's return. All right, twist number five. How are we doing on time, Kyle? Okay. Twist number five. Um, verse 14. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, since you're looking forward to the return of Jesus, and now he's talking really to disciples, to, to people who have embraced a relationship with Jesus, who are like, I'm in on this, and who are looking forward to Jesus' return. So he's talking to to people like a community of, of Advent Hope who've named themselves, we're Advent Hopers, we're, we're, we're waiting for Jesus to come back again. So he says, so then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Question for you. Advent hopers, people who are looking forward to this, many of you. Would you describe yourself as spotless? Would you describe yourself as, as blameless? 
Would you describe yourself at, at, at peace with him? Listen, I hope some of you feel at peace with God. I hope many of you feel at peace with God. I hope, you know, maybe there are some here who feel like at least today, boy, I'm in a good place uh, with my relationship with God. I'm feeling spotless or blameless. But here's the reality. Most of us are just broken and messed up and, and, and like was said in our prayer today, are just, it wasn't a good week. And we, didn't, we, didn't, we weren't the kind of people we wanted to be this week. And so here's the twist, the twist number five, and that is that you and I need patience just as much as anyone else. We need God to be patient. So, you know, we think, oh, God is being patient on that terrible person, and hopefully they'll get their life together, and then he can come. No, we all need God's patience. I need God's patience. I, I, I haven't got it together. Do you have it together? Anybody have it together? Everybody needs God's patience. And so Peter encouraging us, hey, be found spotless, blameless, at peace with him. But, ah, hey, we need patience that God can do in us what that we cannot do for ourselves. That's the, that's the twist. We're broken. We put our hopes in the wrong uh, places. We have undeveloped uh, powers of, of, of self-control and self-discipline, and, and, and many of us are afraid of the future. We're afraid of what's going to happen to us. I mean, maybe not the eternal future, but we're afraid of what's going to happen tomorrow because our, we, there's not enough you know, money in the bank account, or we're not secure in our, our jobs, or we're in a relationship that it, it's not working. And so we're broken, and we're not feeling spotless, and we're not feeling blameless, and we're not, often not feeling at peace, not only with God, but with ourselves. And so, thank God, God is patient, not just for the hardened killer, the criminal, but for me and for you. And this is a twist. We all need God's patience. Twist number six. Second Peter 3, verse 17. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Boy, the, 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 the twist here is, is this, that, that, that the, the, the Christianity, that, 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 that spirituality, that discipleship is not a destination. It's not a destination. And, and, and if you get stuck in the, in the, or you get caught in the, in the, the confusion that comes from thinking of, of being a follower of Jesus as it being a destination. If only I could get there, then you're always going to be disappointed because you're never going to get there. Because Peter 3, 17, 18 says that it's a journey. You grow, you grow, grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. This, this thing is a journey that never ends. In fact, it's never going to end even when, when Jesus does come back. Even when the day of the Lord comes, you're still growing and still learning. In fact, in many respects, that's the, the beginning of a whole new journey to get to know God face to face. 
and to get to know ourselves in a whole new context without some of the burdens that we carry now. But this is the beauty and the, and the great twist that this is a journey. There's no destination. And so if you're always heartbroken over the fact that you're not at the destination, hey, take heart. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey. God is calling us into a relationship, and relationships innately are not destinations. Relationships are journeys together because you're always growing and changing, and it's dynamic. You want to be prepared to grow. Growth. Growth. Now, I have, I have a, a, a bonus I have a bonus twist, but it's not in 2 Peter. So I'm cheating a little bit if we do this. So I, I told you there were six. What time is it, Kyle? Can we do seven, Kyle? He's going to let us slide. Kyle is our timekeeper, and you don't want to mess with Kyle, right? You, don't, you work with Kyle. Don't mess with Kyle. Kyle was at your church, by the way, right? Before being here, don't mess with Kyle. That's what I've learned. <laughs> Susan Zork has a church on the campus of Andrews University. That's this, what's the name of that? One place. One place. I've been there, it's great. And you had Kyle working with you. God bless you. That alone says a whole. Yeah. Yes. All right. So we're gonna get. We got a bonus. A bonus. A, a seventh one. A seventh twist. You guys okay? I, should, I was asking Kyle. I should be asking you. Are you okay with a seventh twist? Yes. Sarah, are you okay with a seventh twist? Sarah gives me a look, and then now I know I gotta stop. And it, that was kind of it. But I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna. Father's Day. Father's Day. Bonus. Here's the, here's, the bonus, here's the bonus one. It's, it's not, I'm cheating. It's in Romans chapter 8. And Romans chapter 8, verse 18 says this. This is Paul now. He's, he's friends with, with Peter. And they, in fact, well, I skipped over it, but Peter talks about Paul in the, the passage we just read. So now we're going to Peter's buddy, Paul. And Paul says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed when Jesus comes. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children, children of God to be revealed. For the cre creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it to, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up into the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as children, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we don't yet have, we wait patiently. 
We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. The, the final twist is this, that we too must be patient. Those who are waiting. God is patient, patiently waiting, but that all also requires the patience on the behalf of those who embrace a relationship w- with God. And thank God that he's patient, and now God's calling us to be patient, but we can take heart in the words of Paul that whatever we're going through now, even as we're having to be patient, whatever suffering there is, is not worth comparing with the glory that is to come. That God has things planned that are beyond our humble capability of imagining. And that if we hold on, if we are patient, if we embrace God's work in us, if we embrace the fact that this is a journey, this is not a destination, if we are patient and allow God to do what he wants to do in us, There'll be no comparison between our suffering and our hardship and our brokenness and what is to come. May we today have true hope in the Advent. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you for the words of Peter and the words of Paul, and we thank you for the many twists and turns that you reveal to us uh, during our journey. I pray in a particular way for those here today who are especially uh, broken, who are feeling like there's just uh, no reason to go on or who don't have hope. And I pray that you will uh, do in them what only that you can do. And so we bring ourselves to you today as a, as a community community named Advent Hope, that you will be our hope in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.